Hi everyone, it's Brent Cosro and Dave Walton back with the most recent in our podcast series. This is the third of three that we've been focusing on artificial intelligence in the American workplace and how it's being used by employers really changing American society and the American workplace. And you know, Dave, it was only a weekend or two ago, I was at a barbecue and the funniest thing happened. Um, and it wasn't that everybody there heard all of our podcasts and started asking me <laughs> questions about it, but someone did come up to me and say, oh, you know, I, I, I hadn't met you before, and so we were introduced by our friends. We started talking, and I said, she said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a management side employment attorney, partner at a national law firm, and, and told her a little bit about that. And the next question out of her mouth, lo and behold, was, well, tell me about the decisions you make every day. Like, how does that work? And I thought, okay, well, that's not the usual question. And then she followed up with this. Are your decisions algorithmic or human-based? And that kind of mm. blew me away. Yeah. And what it said was, wow, even in like everyday conversation, the yeah. very thing we're talking about that we think really is on the cutting edge of the American workplace with artificial intelligence is really making its way into just day-to-day -day conversations with people. Well, so is she a data analyst or something, or was she someone who was thinking about this all the time? Of all things, she's a physician. So, of course, my catchy rejoinder was, um, so when you do radiology, she was a radiologist, yeah. is it algorithmic or is it human-based? And, <laughs> and so, but it's really out there. It's probably it's a everywhere. combination. Probably what she does is a combination. And see, that's, what, see, that's a really interesting anecdote because it kind of goes to where a lot of data analytics got started in this country was in professional sports. So if you're a GM, you know, I mean, just imagine if she asked that question to like a general manager of a sports organization. Are you making decisions based on your personal knowledge, your skills, your experience, your gut feel, or are you, are you making them based on AI? And I think the answer would be, it's a combination. So if you looked at where lawyers are gonna be in the future, I think you can look where American sports are now and say, okay, lawyers are gonna be there in five to 10 years and they're gonna be making decisions in part based on AI and not just uh, what schools are we gonna recruit from, not just which lawyers we're gonna hire, but which decisions we're gonna make about our cases are gonna be based in part on uh, AI. And it's gonna be based on tools really that we don't even know exist yet because they don't exist yet or they're in development. Yeah, so in our previous two podcasts, we talked in sort of general ways about how artificial intelligence can, can bear on employment and, and what happens in the workplace. But it sounds like, you know, Dave, from what, from what you've been seeing and what you've been studying, it sounds as though we're now starting to see, and there's more reporting on, actual use in the workplace. What, what, what are our listeners gonna wanna know about that? Well, I, you know, it's just a, a funny that you raised that because just about a week ago, I got at my house, uh, the ABA Journal on Labor and Employment Law, and I was just looking at the front page of the, of the articles. If you've ever seen this, it just has the uh, listing of the articles on the front page. Um, and the first article is adapting our anti-discrimination laws to protect workers' right in the age of algorithmic employment assessments and the involving workplace technology. And I looked at that and I thought, okay, mm, cool. Then I looked at the next article. Fairness and Algorithmic Employment Selection, How to Comply with Title VII. Okay, all right, well that's uh, two articles on algorithms. I look at the third one. Artificial Intelligence and the Challenges of Workplace Privacy and Discrimination. All right, well geez, and then 
There was managing discrimination risk of machine learning and AI models. And another article was attorney competence in the algorithm age. So here's the uh, ABA. It's, this is a journal of the ABA section of labor and employment law. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six articles in the first five articles deal with algorithms. So when people are waking up to it. Now it's also kind of a hot and sexy topic because it's, it's new, there's, it's, you know, talking about algorithms and AI and data analytics can be very interesting. But there was a, one article in this um, uh, journal that I thought that we would talk about and go back to, and I want to give the authors credit, it's Pauline Kim and Matthew T. Bodie, Artificial Intelligence and the Challenges of Workplace Discrimination and of Privacy, and that's in the ABA Journal of Labor and Employment Law, page 289. Uh, and what they were talking about, again, is what we were talking about in the first two podcasts, really from a broad picture standpoint, AI or data analytics, which I think you can use interchangeably, it's about analyzing large amounts of data to find patterns and then predict the future. So what we talked about earlier was about how it doesn't answer why something happens. It answers what's likely to happen next. So you get these weird correlations, okay? And these weird correlations and these patterns have been used to predict human behavior in things other than human resources. So everything that's occurring outside of the employment law sector is going to be dragged into HR departments because it's so effective. And we talked about that. But what I thought we would talk about today, which is going to be our, our final podcast on it, at least for a while, was just kind of some practical examples of how AI is specifically being used in HR departments. And then we could talk briefly about what some of the risks and other concerns and issues that employment lawyers should be thinking about. You know? So the first one is, I think we've all seen this, is the use of online tools to advertise in employment openings. So in, in, in the old days, right, if you had an employment opening, you would uh, post it in, in a newspaper. And you buy an article in, in a newspaper, you classify ads. You know, my kids have no idea what a classified ad is now, right? And yours don't either. So um, I'm not sure our associates know. Yeah, exactly right. It's and that's the truth. It's like, why would people do that? You can just go online. So now there's these programs like Indeed, and I'm sure there's five thousand other ones that you know, if you're an employer, you give your uh, job requirements to a company like Indeed. They and they they post and they find the best applicants for you. Okay, but in doing so. They are discriminating. It may not be illegal discriminating, but you, they're using algorithms to analyze people's resumes and their backgrounds, et cetera. Maybe some social media of, of the people too, of the applicants. And based on all that, that algorithm comes up with a score. And then it ranks the applicants based on the score. And then it feeds you, the employer, who are the best applicants so you can find somebody. So, so basically, artificial intelligence is displacing the human review of the applicants and coming up with, through microchips and processors, a much faster assessment based on whatever criteria get plugged into the system. I wouldn't say completely displace. It's like e-discovery, where you use AI for, for e-discovery. It puts the best documents first based on that algorithm, okay? But just like in e-discovery, when you use those tools and you're creating that seed set or you're creating that set, it's garbage in, garbage out. 
So if you uh, put in garbage, well, then you're gonna get bad rankings and bad documents. But those job uh, application companies like in, Indeed, they will rank the applicants. So you don't have to spend as much time trying to find the right people. But within that ranking of applicants, discrimination is occurring. It may not be illegal discrimination, but people are being chosen uh, over other people based on certain characteristics. And so does that make a company like Indeed an employment agency under Title VII? Can they be liable uh, for a disparate impact? Can they be? Yeah, and I guess in looking at that, one of the things that comes to mind is those companies, if they rely on the employer, their client employer, to give them the criteria that are most important, highest prioritized, those criteria themselves could be um, the very yep. basis of the discrimination that could be illegal. Yep. Um, so for example, if they said, geez, we really don't want white people for this job. Well, that could be a big problem, as yep. it would be if there were any protected characteristic that were automatically excluded yep. from the analysis. Um, so we could, we could see where that could be the case. Absolutely, and also, as uh, professors Kim and Bodie uh, mentioned in our article, and I wanna give them you know, as you know, the uh, appropriate of uh, the level of due here, um, there's an opaqueness to the algorithm. It's a black box. It's very difficult for even someone who's a data scientist to understand how the algorithm works, let alone an employer, let alone a lawyer. So then the issue becomes, well, who's responsible if the algorithm distributes a job opening based in a biased way? And who is gonna be responsible in that in the future? So that's something for employers to think about when you're using uh, service like Indeed or these other services. And when we get to the issue of who's responsible, then there's going to probably, as I sit back and think about it, be ways of discovery about the underlying algorithms yes. and whether or not who wrote it, what it did, what it prioritized, what it weighted. Um, that ought to be, that ought to be, you know, an incredible frolic and detour yes. for uh, management side, employment lawyers, as well as the employee side. I think what you're going to see too, is you're going to see a push for a federal government agency or state agencies to approve certain algorithms. And it's going to, then they're going to have a seal of approval. And then if you use this algorithm, then you're safe. I haven't seen that yet. And maybe it's out there. I just haven't seen it, but I could see that that's where that's going because that's a, kind of what's happening in the privacy and data security world. If you're, if you have a certain seal of approval from a certain agency or a certain company who's approved by a federal agency, then you're considered to be okay. The second thing I want to talk about quickly was, all right, or the second area that people should worry about is the use of hiring algorithms to score job applicants. You know, these are people that you've already said, okay, they're a good applicant. Now I'm going to screen them. So you're not just trying to find applicants. You're trying to screen them after you have them. So the problem here is that protected categories may be screened out inadvertently if they're Jobs, if the job skills aren't the focus of the algorithm and the screening uh, mechanism, or really I should say, if the behavior or the activity that the algorithm is looking at is not connected with the job skills, you can have a disparate impact issue. So when employers are using algorithms uh, to uh, score job applicants and try to figure out they're gonna be good for this job, make sure that you do some due diligence to the extent you can into how the algorithm works and builds a connection between the conduct and behavior the algorithm is looking at and the job skills that are necessary for the job. A third issue that I think employers have to worry about is gamification, and that's using games. 
to try to test applicants on really how they're good, whether they're going to be good for this job. And I think we talked about a previously a very, very large company that did that for its call centers and gamification in uh, really reduced employee turnover, which saves a ton of time and uh, money. Uh, and so with the gamification, of course, you have to worry about ADA issues. I mean, we see a lot more now with uh, ADA Title III and access to websites. Well, game, well, gamification has to worry about that too. And that could exclude applicants with the disabilities, even though you know, just because that disability won't allow them to do the game doesn't mean that they wouldn't be otherwise qualified for the job. And the last thing that, you know, you know, that we have to consider too with use of data analytics and AI in, in the workplace is worker surveillance, which is becoming a bigger issue in the pandemic too. So there are tools that are out there and there's gonna be a ton more of these that will help you and I do our job better and other employees do their job better based on algorithms and based, and based on AI. But in order to it, use the algorithm and build that algorithm so that it helps us do our job better, the employer has to gather information about how the individual employee works on a, on a massive basis. And so uh, right now, it's kind of fair game. If you work for an employer in the United States, they can do a lot of surveillance on you. Uh, in Europe, it's not that way under the GDPR. Under GDPR, you have, you're an employer, you have to disclose the use of automated data systems and automated data collection systems, and it prohibits the use of certain work, worker surveillance. So, you know, and then we have things here in the United States like the Illinois Biometric Privacy Act. Uh, and so you're seeing more of those kind of acts here. And so those are things that employers should be aware of in terms of issue spotting for the use of data analytics and AI in the workplace. That's fascinating. Um, that's fascinating, Dave. So we'll wrap things up again with just a quick mention and plug of the uh, art, sure. incredible article by Pauline Kim and Matthew Bodie. Um, it was in the ABA Law Journal we mentioned. Um, we want to thank them for that piece and, and make sure they're getting their proper recognition. And Dave, the, the discussion at the end, um, particularly about workplace privacy, is a fantastic segue to our next topic for our next podcast, which is going to focus on the New Jersey Supreme Court's decision in Stengart versus Loving Care, a 2010 decision that involves an issue that, that we hear about in our practice all over the country yeah. quite a bit, which is sort of when an employer uh, sort of stumbles into an email account of one of its employees and finds, lo and behold, their emails between the employee and his or her attorney plotting the lawsuit against the employer. Um, what happens then? Is that good news? Is it bad news? Are, those, are there privacy yes. implications? And if there are, when? Um, so that's coming up. And uh, also, we, we'll give a plug. We might actually have a celebrity guest speaker <laughs> for, that, for that podcast. We can't wait for that. We're both very excited. And we'll We'll keep our, our, our audience, um, you know, waiting to see. It. Maybe there might be an exciting announcement about that when it comes out. But that's it for, for Dave and me today. Again, this is our podcast series that focuses on all things digital in the workplace. It's Brent Cosser and Dave Walton signing off from Fisher and Phillips, representing employers and management nationwide. Thank you. This podcast provides an overview of a specific developing situation. It is not intended to be and should not be construed as legal advice for any particular fact situation. Thank you.